Hey now, it's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The Hungy here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and with me, as always, is Fred Moreland. And Fred, today is a very special day. It is draft day. And we are going to celebrate later in the show with a really fun game that you have planned. But we need to talk about what's going on in this company right now because it's it's in a very weird place. Well, first of all, I want to talk about you, buddy. How are you making it? It's uh, day one of the NFL draft. That kicks off. Later tonight, I have no idea where, when, because uh, I, I am no longer a big NFL fan. But uh, you've been covering the Minnesota Vikings to death. It uh, starts at 8. You've got T-minus under 9 hours. How are you feeling? I want to go to bed. Um, <laughs> listen. You look I'm, like you could use it. I am very, very blessed to be able to cover this and the fact that my wife supports the fact that i'm able to cover this is just incredible but at a certain point we all want it to just be over because we put so much time into this and it's so draining at the end because you're doing so many different things i'm gonna be up proud i woke up at eight this morning to get up and do stuff and then i'll be up till probably one or two in the morning doing more stuff just getting prepared for day two and especially if what I think is coming true, um, I the Vikings may be making a huge move up for a quarterback, and then that's going to just sky – everything's going to skyfall at that point. Um, but it's it's cool, man. It's really yeah. cool. I'm, I get to talk about football and get paid a, like a, a living wage. Like, that's awesome. I, I cannot complain about that, but I'll complain about being tired, and that's why I have a 32-ounce Coke. Get it done, baby. Um I, do you want to talk about any NFL shit right now, or are you just like done? Because if you just want to talk about other stuff, that's cool too. This no, is a production meeting. Shit. Well, what do you want to know? Um, well, you you uh, referenced a, a potential big move for the Vikings as a legacy Vikings fan. Uh, again, the NFL, I guess, sucker did if they get to the, get to the playoffs. So uh, that's <laughs> like where I am with football right now. But yeah. who are they looking at? Okay, so this is a very interesting one. I've been told by multiple sources, and this is this has already been announced elsewhere, so I feel comfortable saying it. They are desperately trying to get into the top five to get a quarterback, and um, they have one guy in mind. I would be absolutely thrilled. I would probably cry tears of joy if it happened, but I really – man, it's, it's tough because – there's never really been a precedent about um, 
like getting that high in the NFL draft. Um, the Falcons went for 27 to six for Julio Jones in 2011. They gave up 27, a second, two fourths, and then a- another first round pick. They gave up a lot. Um, the Chiefs went from 27 to 10 for Patrick Mahomes. They gave up 27, a third, and next year's first. Nobody's ever gone into the top five from the 20s. That's unprecedented. So there's a reason why it's unprecedented. Because that's a long drop, especially if you think there are blue chip talents on the board. The farther you go down, the harder it is for those picks to hit. I mean, it's just basic math. But if the Vikings end up doing it, they would give up a King's Ransom to do so. But who cares? Give it to me. Um... I've waited for the Vikings to really try for that franchise guy. They've signed a lot of free agents. They overdrafted Christian Ponder. They traded back up for Bridgewater. And Bridgewater could have worked out, but we'll never know because of the catastrophic knee injury. Yeah. He I was looking love, good there for a while. Um, So I always tell people when they fight me on Bridgewater, go watch the last preseason game. Go watch how he was operating that offense in just basic form. Like, he was ready. That it, he was going to break out, and the North Turner offense was really good for him because it was vertical. But he, you didn't ask him to make like a lot of like like bullet throws. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to Brett Favre just cannon that thing into like a tight window. Like that's not what the offense is. It's just very vertical and how you attack. And he executed it really, really well. But we'll never know. Um, and I was still paying semi close attention when he was in college, and like. He was scary. I remember that much. Oh, yeah. Going into the NFL. He was great. Um, Yeah, it's... If they do that, great. If they don't, I think they end up trading out of the first round. Um, They only have five picks this year. And the real value of the draft is between 20 and 60. Unless you're getting, like, one of those top quarterbacks or, like, a top defensive lineman. There's... Not a whole lot of difference between 20 and 60. And that, that is where, you know, Quasi being a Vikings general manager, Quasi Dopamensa, he came from Wall Street. And he understands how to manipulate the markets and get value for his dollar. And that's what he's going to try to do if he cannot get that quarterback that could alter the face of the franchise for 15 years. I'm fascinated to see what happens. Um, nobody really knows what's going to happen. And to me... Like, you can a lot of times pencil in X, Y, or Z at number two, number three, number four. It's all over the board. Nobody knows. And yeah, it feels like it's only number one that's pretty well settled, and even that's a little up in the air. Even so, um, so for comparison, Baker Mayfield went number one overall in 2018. The morning of the draft, Baker Mayfield was 25 to one to go first overall. Like... We think we know, but we don't. And until Bryce Young gets picked, I'm I think it's Bryce Young. Everybody thinks it's Bryce Young. But until he actually goes number one, nobody's a hundred percent convinced. Well, there was that story earlier this week of um some guy getting on Reddit and saying that he heard from Will Levis's family that he was preparing to move to Carolina that actually shifted the betting markets and noticeably shortened the odds on him being taken number one overall, uh, which is hilarious. Um, 
but yeah, like I think there's still the possibility of someone else getting taken there. Or do you, is there any chance Carolina trades out? I think they traded into it, didn't they? It seems they gave like up a, they gave up a fortune to go up. Um, That's very interesting to me because I think I would assume that you would have had like a guy that you thought was absolutely worth getting uh, at number one, and the idea that they may be. Uh, vacillating, or maybe they even have someone in mind that like everyone else is wrong on is non price. Um, so, it's interesting. Here's the interesting thing so I'll relate it back two years ago and five years ago. The Jets in 2018 traded up to three from six because they knew they liked at least three quarterbacks, and they knew if we get to three, we'll get one of our guys and we'll feel comfortable with that. Well. They got their guy, didn't work out, but that's that's a whole nother thing. Two years ago, the 49ers traded up from 12 to 3. They knew they liked multiple guys, but they weren't even 100% set. They just knew that they were going to get a guy that they liked, and they got Trey Lance. And it's it was an unfortunate deal uh, because he's just had a really rough start to his career. But yeah. it, you can make – it's a lot easier to trade up to one. If you know you like two guys, but you just don't know which one you like more, you can still make that trade because yeah. you, you feel confident in the fact that you're going to get your guy. You just don't know who that is yet. Trading up to two and not being confident who your guy might be if you don't even – if like, hey, I don't like two of them, that's a mistake. Yeah, The Eagles traded up to two in 2016. They liked both Jared Goff and Carson Wentz. They were comfortable getting either guy. You can do that. Yeah. Like you can take like normally you don't want to take what's left over, but when you like both, like if you're at a wedding and you like both the chicken and the beef dishes in the buffet, you just don't know which one you're going to get. Like if the chicken's gone, you're okay with the beef. The decision was just made for you. Like that's yeah. kind of what this is. Um it, look, this is this whole draft is just fascinating. I'm my mock draft uh is out on vikingswire.com. Um, I recommend you go check it out. Uh, it, I am re- I decently sourced up. Um, I have like, I am the Joe Lanza of football here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcasting Network. I, I talk to people about things. They tell me things, and yeah, uh, there's a lot of sourced up information in that mock. So I would highly recommend checking it out before. The draft starts because we're going to get try and get this up here. Hopefully, it'll be up by about 2 o'clock Central Time. I do have one more NFL thing I want to talk about. I actually went and uh, wrote down a statement on the Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, here, let me... <clears throat> LOL, LMAO. <laughs> I love it. That's That's phenomenal. Uh, how do you think it's going to work out with the Jets? I think it'll be okay. Um, the The Jets were like, they have a really good defense. They have really good weapons. If if he's just capable, that team can go to a Super Bowl. Like, he doesn't need to be phenomenal. He just needs to be capable. That's doable. Like, I'm just glad he's out of the, the NFC. Oh, yeah. I hate Aaron Rodgers so much. Yeah, I, I'm done with the shit uh, in so many ways. Uh, it's just enough when he's beating your ass, but also when he's insane. It's not fun. All right, I think that's enough NFL. Um, I'm glad you're still 
conscious. Um, you want to get into some wrestling? Just take a little little break here. Yeah, Fred, let's get into the news. Why don't you like uh, kind of guide us through the news here today? I don't have a lot of news this week. It's, uh, it's not the bigger thing, I guess, but I'm going to lead off with it. Uh, it sounds like Dark Elevation may be done, which makes sense with the coming of uh, what we, again, assume will be called Collision, the Saturday Night Show. Uh, but Dark Elevation, which essentially turned into Dark Part 2 um, pretty fast on a weekly basis, uh, is there... One of their two YouTube shows that they do on a weekly basis, and uh, Fight has their listing for it as a uh, recap show this week of the best of Dark Elevation, and uh, refers to it as the final episode. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, look, I thought Elevation was a really cool idea, and it was meant to kind of be like for up-and-coming, like, lower-card acts, like your Lee Johnsons of the world, to really get some shine. Um, but it the pandemic kind of screwed everything. Yeah. <laughs> it And it just kind of evolved or devolved into something that it just... It wasn't ever intended to be. And I think I like that they're keeping dark... I also think that it's better that they get rid of elevation because it's just become redundant. Yeah. Like now AW is just uh, ROH tapings. That's that's fine for now. You don't want to keep doing ROH tapings at AEW shows. Like, but I don't know. Like it, it's fine. I, I don't think anybody's really going to miss elevation. Yeah, um, I, I think its value added has been minimal for quite a while now. Um, I do think it's kind of a shame that they never really seem to do like lower bid card feuds on those shows with any real regularity, um, which could have made the shows more unique rather than just hour or two hour long job fests for the most part. Um, but, you know. I think that would have been actually a good spot for some uh, Tony Khan delegation. But, you know, we all know that he's not necessarily the biggest fan of that. So, uh, Let's talk CM Punk. Since we're no. Sisyphus, pushing the giant CM Punk stone up the hill. And uh, there it goes again. It's not going to stay up there. Um, apparently, Wade Keller said that uh, the Punk and Jericho meeting seemed to go well. And FTR was there as well. Um, and I think Fightful additionally said that uh, Punk and Jericho are not necessarily opposed to working together in the future. So that's some positive news coming from the backstage area. Um, and then, of course, on top of all this, we had everyone freaking out because, God bless, uh, CM Punk was backstage at Raw for a little bit as Raw was in Chicago. Um, and Punk uh, talked with various members of the roster. He talked with Triple H. He talked with The Miz. Um, and, uh, you know, a couple other people. I think Tamina. There's a video of him talking with Tamina outside. And then um, Vince McMahon, who was not at the show, but he was rewriting it remotely, um, asked, uh, apparently told security to ask him to leave when he found out that he was there. 
Uh, but yeah, this was a big story, and I have no real idea why, other than it just CM Punk being CM Punk. Um, there you go. That's the CM Punk update. I think he's going to come back soon, and it'll be interesting to watch uh, exactly what happens, how that works out, and all these question marks we have. And, you know, fool me once, shame on you. Or shame on me. Won't get fooled again. As I dropped my George W. Bush reference. I'm on top of it. Yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Um I just want this punk shit to be over. And maybe it's just because I'm grumpy because of all the NFL draft stuff and I'm just absolutely zonkoed. I got six hours of sleep last night, like six the night before, and I'm just working to the bone. Like I am editing pieces while we're talking here, Fred. That's kind of kind of where things are at for me. Um, I just want it to be done. Like, if he's coming back, just come back. They need to sit in a room. Him, the Bucks, Tony Khan, Chris Jericho, Christian, Sting, any respected individual. Arn yeah, Anderson. Boxley. Sit in a room. Be like, 30 veterans. Oh. Just get them Here's all in the there. Mark Henry. You don't have to. You don't have to like each other. You don't have to talk to each other. But we are gonna sit here. We are gonna make money off of this because it is a massive money feud. Like mm-hmm. once the Blackpool Combat Club stuff is done, Punk needs to go and attack the elite because I think the elite are gonna go over here. I really do. I'm. I'm not super convinced by it, but I think they are. And I think it's gonna be a really close feud. But then Punk needs to come, and he needs to attack Kenny Omega. He needs to bring FTR with him, and they they need to wreak havoc, and we need a big program with Punk versus Omega headlining a show, and the Bucks versus FTR is the semi-main event. And then Trio's action all throughout. Like You can do stuff with these guys, and you yeah. have to do stuff with these guys. If you bring Punk back and you don't, this is going to be worse than the invasion angle of 2001 because they tried, they didn't put all their effort into it, but they were also hamstrung a little bit by those time Warner contracts. Vince could have tried to just like, Hey, if you come back, I will give you more than your time Warner contracts to try and get some of those high end guys. Um, like Hulk Hogan, uh, Kevin Nash, Goldberg, but they just kind of half-assed it. And if Tony Khan can't find a way to make this work, it one, it's a damn shame. Two, it's going to be in AEW lore, like the one of the biggest missed opportunities ever for this company. Yeah, um, I think that's definitely got to be the biggest feud. I think Punk MGF is the second biggest. Uh, so I think if you cycle to that... Uh, next, just to kind of, you know, prove to the parties involved that you can coexist and won't like immediately stab each other, you know, and then go to Punk Elite. That would make sense. I can understand that. But yeah, I guess we'll see. I'm very interested, and I definitely hope it's not like ah, I I hope we don't just restart where we did when he first came in. And it's just I'm happy go lucky Punk. I'm so happy to be here. I'm going to feud with some of the. Rising stars, baby faces to put them over before I get involved in actual stuff. You know, let's just, I think we just need to hit the ground rolling. Yeah, we do. Um, this is just 
find a way to work together, damn it. Just <sighs> all right, anyway. <laughs> um, quick note rampage will be at 5 30 Eastern this week, so uh, keep that in mind. Adjust your whatever your DVR technology is as necessary. And the Owen is coming back. Uh, we're kind of segueing into the actual show here, but it was a, the big announcement Tony Khan had was that the Owen is coming back and that all the matches are going to be held in Canada including some at Forbidden Door, and the finals will be held in Owen Hart's hometown of Calgary. I think it's really cool. Um, yeah, I love the Owen. Um, I, I don't know that it was... I love the concept of the Owen. I don't know that it was like particularly great last year. It felt like it dragged on a little bit, but um, yeah. Yeah, uh, so what I think is going on here... like I was wondering why they announced that long tour of Canada... And I, I should have I should have seen this coming, because why else would they just be in Canada for like six straight weeks if they weren't going to do something like this? It it should have clicked. It didn't, and that's on me. But I do think that it's that's that's a really cool way to. Utilize uh, the legacy of Owen Hart. Um, the fact that there will be matches on Forbidden Door, I think, is really cool. Um, it also makes me wonder if there will be any Japanese participants from New Japan in the tournament. I think Ishii was a participant last year, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, he was, because I, th- I think he ended up wrestling Adam Cole. Yeah. Uh, let me pull this up real quick. Uh, yeah, Wikipedia. Has the brackets. Um, yeah, last year, um, uh, participants included uh, Maki Ito and uh, both Riho and Yuka Sakazaki. And, um, of course, Shida, but she's basically full-time uh, North American. Um, and then on the men's side, there was... Um, yeah, there was Ishii. He faced Adam Cole in the opening round. Um, I also forgot that we got a little uh, little appearance by Johnny Elite, so maybe he'll make his return. Oh yeah, he wrestled Samoa Joe, right? Yeah, in like a fine match, one of a rather weak Joe outing. But yeah, it's uh... <laughs> it, it's this Owen tournament. I think will be better. Um, I also think that I, I have a feeling. They really drove home during that promo package that Eddie was a junior heavyweight championship, an IWGP junior heavyweight champion. I want to say they are going to really try to incorporate juniors and high flyers. So it wouldn't shock me if it was more of a um, a junior tournament than anything. Yeah. I, I now remember why I thought that it went on forever because it did. It took nearly two months to get to the finals of these uh... – uh, four round tournaments, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, they really needed to make that a little denser, but yeah. Um, the first matches were held on April 1st, and the final, you know, double nothing was May 29th. Oof, yeah. All right, what else do we have for news before we get into this show? That's it, that's that's all the news I've got. So, uh, let's cool. let's talk the show. Uh, you want to hit just kind of the big picture stuff rather than a segment by segment. I think we should still go segment by segment because I think there's enough sure. here to talk about. Um, okay. 
uh, through something um, that. Oh, here's something from Trevor Dame uh, talking about what Dave said on the Wrestling Observer Radio. Um, AW could potentially make over fifty million from a third TV show, um, and then he went doomer about how hard AW has it <laughs> as a distant second, as far as uh, pecking order in the wrestling business in America. Look, AW is four years old; they're getting a million dollars a show and right. ad splits. I think they're okay. Yeah, the, I mean, they're they're apparently he compared it to uh, the closing days of WCW and the worst of Impact, which is like I, neither of us are particularly hyped about how the show has been going over the past couple weeks. Uh, but I also think it's fair to say that these are not like I've seen like one out of ten shows. I've seen awful shows before. These shows are not that bad. I, I can assure you. Or is there stuff on there that I don't like? Is there frustrating stuff sometimes? Are the matches underachieving due to some booking decisions? Yeah. But like this is this is not, I can assure you personally, this is not dying days WCW. This is not like Russified WCW or Russified Impact or Bischoff mm-hmm. Impact. This oh, is way better Bischoff than those shows. Impact. Bishop. What a guy that Dave Meltzer. <laughs> oh, love Dave. He oh, Dave. oh, I guess we, I should bring this up. He uh, apparently outed CM Punk as a source. Um, okay, so a, I'm going to ask a rapidly deleted tweet. You are, you are more well-versed on Dave than I am. Hasn't he outed sources before on his show? Like, he's saying, oh, I directly talked to the Young Bucks, or... In limited, in limited circumstances, uh, this is more. He has been very like I. He's been clear that he has talked to people close to Punk, but he's never, to my knowledge, I am a few weeks behind on the Observer Radio now. Uh, but to my knowledge, he's never outright been like, "Yeah, I talked to CM Punk." There was always some obfuscation, some you know, vagaries uh, when he came to the stuff, and I think that um, Dax Harwood targeting them both him and Alvarez kind of led to a breaking point. Um, and I think he's just been on like on the edge of doing something like this for a little bit. And finally, just like it has had enough of the Dave Belter's a bad person. Also, I mean, giving him information directly kind of thing. Cause I think he basically said that Dax Harwood has been talking to him too, despite Dax Harwood going on a sh- shitty podcast in the, like talking about how Dave Meltzer is an awful person for making stuff up, but it's still pretty notable when like he burns CM Punk himself. You know, arguably the biggest star in AEW or the AEW sphere uh, uh, as a source for stuff coming out of the uh, the big fight. Yeah, <sighs> it is. It's look. It's Dave. <laughs> it's it's Dave. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about this show, and then we're gonna do a fun little game, and then I'm gonna go off and do my thing. Okay. One of the tough parts about Dynamite recently is it just hasn't felt like Dynamite. Boy, did this kick off like a Dynamite. I'm sure it is. Orange Cassidy versus Bandito, and Orange Cassidy gets his 20th consecutive defense of the AEW International Championship by defeating Bandito. This was good. 
This was very good. And then they teamed up. So like Bandito is now best friends adjacent. Um, and then we'll get more from that later in the show. But I, th- I found that very interesting. Um, I don't know what that will mean long-term. Um, but it it was noteworthy. And the match was good. I gave it, I gave it four stars. Great start. Yeah, I went three and three quarters on it. I thought it could have been a little better, but I liked it. I thought it was a very fun match, and uh, I gave it three, you know, like I said, just now three and three quarters, but uh, it was a fun little thing. We got to see some cool stuff from both guys. Uh, we continued the storyline of um, of uh, Orange Cassidy's hand and it being, you know, hurt, and I'm sure that's going to, if they... I, it would be weird if they kept playing it up and then they rapidly, um, you know, just dropped it, you know, when it got to that point. But yeah, um, enjoyed it. And the stuff afterwards was pretty fun. Um, I'm going to pretend that Bandito got infected with the Orange Cassidy virus and just became instantly sloth like. Um, because they were buddying around afterwards, he gave Bandito some sunglasses, but couldn't get one side of them on, on his ear, so it fell off. Um, and uh, then they were pretty quickly uh, paired together. Yeah, um, I'm very interested to kind of see where this ends up going. But we we've seen we've seen things. Um, Next up, this, okay, so I I want to preface this. I hated this, and I think I'm alone here. Um, Renee Paquette interviews Adam Cole backstage, and he just said, here's the deal. Tonight I'm going to the ring, and I'm going to call Chris Jericho. If he comes out, I'm going to show him the mistake he made. If you don't come out, I'll find you. Just go to the ring. You don't need this interview segment. To me, this is redundant. It's kind of dumb. And you know what? I might be on an island here, Fred. But... I didn't like this at all. Yeah, I think you're on an island. I thought this was all right. I just thought it was like, uh, we're going to be doing something later. Make sure you don't miss it kind of deal. And I thought it was a decent little promo from Cole. Uh, Nothing transcendent or anything, but just like a quick uh, mission statement for an upcoming angle. And I thought it worked well enough. I thought it was just a little like reminder of what's going on in that storyline and what's going to happen later on the show. Yeah, well, I'm okay being on an island. Uh, 404, the 404 Fortress. That that's <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. And then at the end of this, we got uh, Orange Cassidy walking up to Renee and asking her if uh, she saw his match, and Renee said no. I was interviewing Adam Cole, and Orange Cassidy goes, "Oh," and then walks off, and then Bandito copies him and says, "Oh," and walks off. So. I thought that that was kind of funny. I got yeah. I I, I like they need to do a little more of the the Orange Cassidy wackiness backstage, just a little. Um, after this, um, and the commercial break, uh, Renee and Paquette is backstage again. They are getting their money's worth with Paquette. Oh yeah, Renee's so, working hard. Yeah, um, with Darby Allen and Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and Darby's like, look, if you give a shit about this pillar stuff at all you'll be uh, at ringside because you know they're going to pull some shenanigans. And they they kind of go back and forth. And Jungle Boy is like, you're right. We said some things last week that went too far. I wish it could have been me and, and you out there tonight, but it's not. So good luck. 
And Darby's like, yeah, I would have beaten you again. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. I kind of feel like we may be getting seeds for a Jungle Boy heel turn. Yeah, I thought I got that feeling too. He's kind of acting like a dick. And not because Christian's being an asshole, but just because it's Jungle Boy. He's just kind of being a, a dick to Darby. And yeah. I, I, I found that interesting. Yeah, I thought it was uh it's sowed some seeds. I also I think the I think this whole four pillars thing has flopped. Um yeah, but you know. Yeah. Um next up, Jeff Jarrett comes out with Jay Lethal, Sanjay Dutt, Satnam Singh, but AW officials came out and forced those three to the back as he takes on. AW World Team Tag Team Champion Dax Harwood and boy oh boy, this was bad. They had no chemistry. Jarrett was gassed in about three seconds, and like there was a spot in Picture in Picture where Jeff Jarrett's going for like a, a chair to the gut, and he like basically hits it, and Dax kicks him in the gut. And Jarrett, being the pro that he is, sells it, but they they just didn't know what they were doing out there with each other. It was. It was really rough. I didn't even give it two stars. I, I went one and three quarters. I thought this was bad. There was some point on, in this or the first segment of this match where there was a shoulder block spot, but like Dax Harwood took it wrong and, and like fell at the wrong time, I think. And that was early in the match. Like it was maybe a minute in. And uh, that was kind of a portent for exactly what this match was going to be. I thought it just looked sloppy throughout. It wasn't great. Um, I actually put a lot of the fault on Dax. Dax just looked terribly off tonight. Uh, maybe that's me, you know, reading what some Jarrett struggles and that putting the onus on the wrong guy there, but it just felt rough. I went one in a quarter. I thought this was a borderline disaster. Yeah, this was this was rough, man. This was rough. Um, but then you had, uh, Jarrett, uh, getting the pin, um, with some interference by Sanjay and then holding the tag team title. Um, so it looks like we're going to get FTR versus Jarrett and lethal who continue to be relevant in the year. 2023. Never losing Jeff Jarrett. <clears throat> I love Jeff Jarrett. Um, then we got the Owen announcement, and then Wardlow versus Jobber. It's back, baby. We're back to OG Wardlow shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I didn't have an issue, but you know what I loved? Arn Anderson's tracksuit. He, he, he looked like Tony Soprano out there. With 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 the hair like the, like the chest hair popping yep. out from uh, with I, could, I think he had a white beater on underneath and then the gold chain ah Arn Anderson rocks Arn Anderson is part of the Russian mafia with his uh, Adidas tracksuit it's great um, afterwards we had Arn Anderson cutting a promo uh, where he put over Wardlow but questioned if he would be willing to cross the line and cheat by you know bite people or hit someone with a chair and then christian cage's music hits and he can't help luchasaurus and they walked down on the ring and then cage decided to not enter the ring and then they walked up on the ramp 
I guess you're start of the feud. Well, who? Uh, I thought this was fine. Uh, next segment was one that you did not care for. We had Renee with Sammy Guevara, and MGF instantly comes in. They uh, kiss each other on the forehead, declare it their moment. Um, MJF says that people are calling him a coward. And then he and Sammy Guevara look at the camera and declare that they don't care. Uh, Guevara got MJF a present, a matching vest, and MJF got Sammy Guevara a gift of a matching scarf. And then they had a friend's hug. I thought this was fun. I thought this was uh, part of the over-the-top portion of MJF's character. Uh, and Sammy, I think, does very well in these uh, these kind of dipshit uh, heel segments. But you did not care for this. No. Um, now, I like the idea of this, where they, they're over the top. They're, they're basically making out, Fred. Let, let's just be real here. But I, I just I thought this was way too over the top hokey. And it felt to me like NXT level up. It's not like I, I get the idea. I like the idea. I just thought the execution could have been better. Um, I, I thought they took it to a level that went way beyond abstract, and I I didn't like it. Like it it, fe- it felt try hard to me. I think is the best way to put it. Um, just I thought, was, I thought it was intentional. I thought it worked for me. And uh, no, no, no. Hold know. on. I you, I think it was intentional. Yeah. I just. I thought that it should have been toned down a couple notches and it would have worked a lot better for me. Fair enough. I can't really uh, argue with you too much on it. Uh, I just see it a different way and reasonable minds can disagree, right? That's the Joe Lanza catchphrase number four. Yeah. Th- this, this I thought was hilarious. Um, <clears throat> RJ said he was backstage at Kenny Omega's tag team match and gets his ass whipped by John Moxley. And all he has to say is we have some scars here to leave tonight. Oh, <laughs> And then RJ said he tweets out later. Um, I'm not going to tell my mom I was on national TV tonight. <laughs> I did. I saw that tweet. That was really good. RJ City rules. Like he, he's a meme, but he embraces it, it. He embraces just being a dork. Like, yeah, I appreciate that. You're you're self aware. You're not like you're not tr- like you're trying to be a meme, but you're also not trying to be like a like a jackass. I guess I. I'm a roundabout way of saying he just knows what he is and he embraces it and just tries to be himself. I like that. Have I, like I told that you that my movie. wife hates him? Really? Yeah, she does not like I, I, I watched the Hate EW show and she just like despises it. Just does not like the humor of it and uh is at the point where like if I even tease like starting to watch it with her around, she's like, You can watch that without me. So, my wife is an anti-mark for RJ City, but I love him. Um, I, I think he's starting to kind of be slotted into the right spot for him on TV. Um, it's almost Todd Pettengill-ish, only he gets his ass beat. Um, I guess we'll see what RJ keeps doing. I like the segment, though, pretty well. And then we got ourselves the finals of the Four Pillars Tournament. And uh, I'd like to have a little discussion about booking decisions and... Uh, after this, but I thought this was a pretty decent match with a bad finish. Um, I went three and a half on it. Uh, there was some cool stuff in there, as you would expect with these two. I mean, it's two high-level high flyers, and uh, they work well together. Uh, they've definitely there definitely will be better matches between the two of them, but I still went you know three and a half. 
I went three and three quarters. I thought this was good, but it could have been better. The one thing that I I really didn't like here was the fact that yeah, like you knew you like you knew this that this was gonna end with some bullshit. Yeah. It's just I sorry, my my brain's just in an absolute fog. Here's my thing, Fred. When they announced this Pillars tournament, I, I even said in our office, like, this is still going to be a four-way. Like, you're not doing a round-robin. You're giving somebody a buy and then doing this, and then the Darby Sammy, or sorry, the MJF Sammy stuff happened. I'm like, this is still going to be a four-way. And they cheated twice, and now it's going to be a two-on-two tag match to determine if it's a singles match or a four-way. Yep. This is the booking I hate. Um, this, this, like, this is WWE. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I hate how they've handled this storyline. Basically, almost speak for beat. Mm-hmm. I thought that if the, I don't even know why you would not just go with the four way if that's the end point of the the build. Um, but instead, we teased that there was going to be a, a singles match instead, which fine. I mean, I think singles matches tend to be better, but I thought in this circumstance, a four-way would make a, a pretty good amount of sense, um, you know, since you built it around the four pillars. And then we did this tournament, and um, it's just, you know, two straight BS finishes so that the heels get what they wanted. And now we have um, this tag match where you have the – can these faces coexist – question mark which is completely wwe ish uh it's in like pretty low level stuff too um and i would have just been happier like i honestly i think this build would have made sense if darby overcame the odds and uh, ended up winning um and you just did darby mjf i think that would have been good uh, even and then you could have just done the build between those two and Sammy could um, you know kind of shunt off to where you know I guess just maybe MJF's backup or just whatever and just have him you know and MJF have a little tension because Sammy blew it and Perry could head toward whatever heel turn he wants to do maybe he could uh, corner I'm just fantasy booking now, so I'll, st- I'll stop promptly. But you could corner Darby, and then Dar- after Darby loses, he could just turn on him, um, and then you could do that. But I think they have lost ground with this Four Corners feud. I think they've actually done some harm to uh, to Jack, and I think they may have done a little harm to Darby. I think Sammy's just kind of where he has been. I don't think anyone's been elevated in this, and I think it's um, it's a blown chance. So- I'll say this much. Um, I have a conspiracy theory, Fred, that oh, this God. was ex- this was explicitly done as a sink or swim measure. Where Tony was like, okay, we're, we're four years in. I want to see if these guys can take the ball and run. I don't think they were put in the best position to succeed. Mm-hmm. But there's something like the Randy Savage line. The cream always rises to the top. There's something to that. Mm-hmm. You can make chicken salad out of chicken shit. 
And that's something that uh, Moxley did consistently in WWE, even like with the stupid hot dog cart. He made it entertaining. He took what he had and tried to make the best of it. Some people have that in them. Some people don't. So, and you need some just need to be in great situations. Like we've had conversations about Ruby Soho. Mm-hmm. She's a really good wrestler when she has a really good opponent, but she can't carry somebody who's below her. And that's why her matches have such a high variance. I, I feel like that's where these guys are at right now. Darby, Darby just shouldn't talk. Like they humanized him last week, and I still hate that. Like he's he's a little emo kid. Let him be an emo kid. Let him connect in those ways. Like like Darby talking about buying a house for his mom is cool and mm-hmm. in a human sense. It is not cool for Darby Allen the character. And I I think in a roundabout way, Tony Khan is like, okay, I need a placeholder title um, program for double or nothing because I'm going to have to do forbidden door all in and all out. Let's see what they have. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't worked at all. No, it's been, uh, it's been a bummer. (laughs) Um, Frankly, I, 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 again, I think Darby's, generally fine coming out of this uh i think maybe in the future someone should work with him to make sure that what he's saying in promos is actually babyface stuff and not heel stuff i think that's happened a couple times now um mm-hmm. uh, now i think intentionally in the segment with perry earlier on the show i think that that was kind of to be a catalyst for perry to you know snub him and eventually maybe turn heel um i think perry is just flopped i think this has not worked well for him um i still am high on him as a long-term prospect uh but this has not gone as well for him as i would have hoped yeah it it just it's one of those things it just kind of is what it is um yeah it's it is what it is we'll we'll get there yeah Um, but then after we have the whole thing where mjf and uh uh, Sammy beat down Darby. Perry eventually makes a save. Uh, when while Darby and Perry argue, Tony Schiavone announces that they've got a a match for next week where if uh, MJF and Guevara lose to Darby and Jack Perry in a tag match, those two faces will get uh, will be in the four corners match. Um, yeah, so. Um, I feel like we're taking uh, some extra steps to get there. And then, of course, afterwards, uh, MJF and Guevara are very outraged while walking through the back. They get to MJF's SUV, which is completely empty except for his driver. And Sammy tries to get in with MJF. And MJF rather comically tells him that the car's full, there's no space for him, and drives off. That was funny. I yeah. really enjoyed that. Um, let's get to this more. Uh, it's Adam Cole stuff, Fred. Yeah. Um, Came out to the ring with a microphone, um, calls out Jericho, and the JAS swarms him um, after Jericho's like, you want me to come to the ring and fight you? I don't want to come anywhere near you. A man who let the love of his life get beaten. You did nothing to stop it. You are a coward. I don't want to be near you. Jericho's. Get him, boys. This is phenomenal. So heel, Upcoming heels need to study like these kind of promos that Jericho does. As a as a heel, blaming the face for everything that he the heel did, um, it's really good stuff. And uh, I feel like it's not done as much outside of what he's doing. And 
I, it needs to be incorporated by more guys. I think MGF does it a little bit too, but you know, other heels need to do it. They handcuffed Adam Cole to the bottom row for and not being able to save Brit. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Phenomenal. Uh, it's it's, okay. it's such heel stuff, and it's it's perfect for like making the fans want to see you, the heel, get your ass beat eventually. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is where things got really fun. Orange Cassidy and Bandito kind of cross paths with Cole earlier in the night uh, in that interview segment we talked yeah. about. They come out and help, and then all of a sudden, music starts playing, and it's the end of Heartache by Kill Switch Engage. And I did not realize that this was an old Roderick Strom theme song, so I'm just like, "Oh hell yeah, end of Heartache, this rocks!" And then I'm like, "Holy shit, it's Roderick Strong! Yeah, this rocks!" Like I didn't. I never put two and two together because I haven't watched a lot of Roderick Strong old like old indie stuff. Man, that was cool. Um, they got us, and look, we we've been down on this company for a few weeks, um, especially me. I they deserve so much credit because they have done multiple of these. We're gonna keep quiet about mm-hmm. the debut. Yeah, like we kind of thought Adam Cole. And Brian Danielson were coming. We didn't know. All out, they gave us both. And Minoru Suzuki. Like, they've done so many of these debuts where it's just like, whoa, what? And nobody has any inkling. Nobody's talking about it online like they knew and they just didn't say anything. This was remarkable. And it got a huge pop. We, um... Adam uh, Berger, uh, a member of Voices of Wrestling, was in the crowd last night and said just a massive, massive pop for Roddy. Yeah. And then you get the emotional return of uh, the old tag team partners, um, Adam Cole and Roger Strong embracing in the middle of the ring. Um, Bobby Fish is just Squidward looking down at the pineapple at all his friends in AEW reunited, and he's just like, oh. Um, Where's the lie? Yeah. It's, it is what it is. Um, and then we, after that, after this great segment, we get more bullshit from QTV. But oh, I God. think we okay. actually might be getting it. We might be getting an end point here. Go ahead, Trent. I was, okay. So I have hated these QTV segments so much, even though on almost a weekly basis, there's at least one line that, that makes me laugh because it's just, it's super insidery. Uh, and I get it, but like, it doesn't help, right? Um, but these have been disasters, and I think it's really done Hobbs harm. And the visual of them just starting to do another one of these bullshit segments, and then powerhouse Hobbs just bursting in the room after not being around except for the very first one, and just like, this isn't it. <laughs> like, basically ending the series on air, I hope. Um, you know, I thought that was cool as hell. Um, and that kind of... Uh, that gave a little life back to his character, I think, because I, like Hobbs is just about the last guy on the roster that I would associate with this kind of segment, right? Like he's not a uh, let's goof around and mock the opponent kind of guy. He's a I'm just going to beat some ass kind of guy. Um, and I was I'm not opposed to the idea of QT Marshall as his mouthpiece, but. This QTV shit is not one. The segments aren't good in general, and two, I don't think they do anything to help Hobbs. I think they hurt him, 
and it's kind of anti, you know, kind of goes completely against the Hobbs character that he's even really associated with a guy doing this kind of 15 years out of date TMZ parody shit. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to, to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off again that's arena club.com slash vow net arena club.com slash vow net for 10 percent off your first purchase on arena club and we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network what's going on guys this is rich from the flagship podcast here on the voices of wrestling podcast Network. If I could have a moment of your time, I'd like to tell you about one of our sponsors, Eufy Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell, all three in one, offering you triple security. So you can have everything in one device rather than installing many pieces on your front door. But it's not just for security. The Eufy Video Lock is also for convenience. No more concerns about losing keys, and you can assign passwords to your family members and see them coming back home via the integrated cameras. Some other great features we love about the Eufy Video Lock is it is easy to install and set up with just a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. Keyless entry, no more fumbling for keys when your hands are full. You never have to worry about kids losing keys or passing among renters. You also have 0.3 second, 0.3 second, fingerprint 
recognition, and one second unlocking. Again, 0.3 seconds, it's going to recognize your fingerprints, and in one second, it's going to unlock. And with the AI self-learning chip embedded, the more you use it, the more accurate it will be. Also, no battery anxiety. You have a rechargeable battery in there that could last around four months, and you will get a low battery notification before it runs out. Uh, passcode unlocking, a remote control with a 2K clear sight. See who's at your door and control from anywhere through the Eufy app. With enhanced night vision, you can have optimized view even in the evening. You can also secure your package delivery by view and two-way audio. And then best of all, no monthly fee. A bunch of other brands out there are going to charge you a monthly fee. You have your recordings locally and you never have to pay for storage. Customer service, Eufy's got you handled as well. They are on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty all backed by their professional customer service team. Contact them anytime by telephone, email, or live chat. Personally, as a homeowner, I love my Eufy Video Lock. I have the ability to see what's going on when I'm not home, when packages have has arrived, and, and really the thing I love the most about it, the ease of being able to lock and unlock my doors without having to fumble with my keys, reach in my pocket, or wait, no, crap, they're in my backpack, all that sort of stuff. All this is happening while my dogs are barking at me. You know what? Not anymore with the Eufy Video Lock. I touch it. 0.3 second fingerprint recognition. One second doors unlocked much much easier so if you want to jump on board with eufy video lock search eufy video lock that is e u f y video lock again that's eufy video lock e u f y video lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door Yeah, I hate the, this stuff, but I will say I liked this because I think it now might be over. Yes, um, and, and if this is the end of it, I will I will give them credit. That if this is the end of QTV, if we never do another segment, this is a good way to end it and tell the audience that we're done with it. Yeah, just straight up, like Hobbs just choking uh, QT Marshall and throwing him up against the wall. Yeah, that rocked. Um, yeah. I'm all for that. So Hobbs we'll, is cool as hell if you have him do cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So have yeah. him do cool stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, next up, TBS Championship match, Jade Cargill versus Ty Valkyrie. This okay. was not the worst match of the night, and that's impressive. You know, I yeah. will give uh, them some flowers. Okay. Uh, I, wa- I don't care about the match. I want to talk about the finish. Okay, the please finish. do, because I have so many thoughts on this. The finish. So the whole story of the match is... Ty Valkyrie can't use Jaden. And she goes for it. The rest like, nope, if you do it, you're disqualified. And she sets Jade down and she's just like, oh man. But then she had no backup plan. Yeah. You, you couldn't use the move. So they did what the they, doing? they did the tease early in the match to establish the 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 rule, right? The the step. That makes sense. I have no problem with that. But then right at the finish, she does it again. And instead of doing like any other move out of that position. Um, she just like puts Jay down and is like, darn, I don't know what to do. And it's like, you're a professional wrestler for the love of God. Have a, have two moves. And it's not like Taya Valkyrie's some noob. Isn't she like around 40? Like she's, she's been in this business a long time. Last half of her thirties. I do believe. Um, yeah. Like you, you bring in Taya Valkyrie. You make her feel like a big deal. She gets 39. a reaction from the crowd. Yeah. And she's been that. over. Yeah, she's been over, which I, I'll be honest, I'm a little surprised by. Her you work's her been better in... than I expected, too. Like, Yeah, 
You put her with Jade right away, so you establish that she's a big deal. And then you make her look like a fucking geek. Yeah, this by the time... If Anna Jade does this, she's 24. Okay. Sky she's blue. new at this. You, you, yeah, you can understand what's going on. You can on sell here. that. Ty is 39. She's been in this business for a long time. She's been a champion in multiple companies. And you're going to tell me that she doesn't know what to do after trying the move she already knew was banned? That's bullshit. That, like, you just buried Taya Valkyrie after building her up and she got over. Yeah, I mean, she's been a success in this company so far. I did not think I'd be saying that, but she's she's yeah. well overachieved what I thought she would do, and I, I give her credit for that. She has been busting her ass and working hard. This has possibly been the best stretch of her career. Kudos to her for all of that. Um, but and this is not her fault. I mean, well, it's kind of her fault, but it's this is the booking of the match. So, like, maybe she should have found another way to do it or something. I don't know. You know, this is all of the backstage stuff that I don't know, that I don't have the experience with. But, like, whoever put this finish together, it needs to be fired. <laughs> like, it's that bad. Because it killed her character. Killed her dead because she looks like the biggest idiot to ever step in the ring. And heels can be idiots. Like, Jeff Sherry is the perfect idiot heel when he's just in the mid-card. There's a difference between idiot and this. <laughs> this is... This is like kindergarten stuff, man. It's just, and, and then Jade immediately won with her move. Um, no, no, but, she got a roll-up. Oh, the roll-up, that's right. Sorry, yes. Um, so, but yeah. You, know, you can't completely bury the finish because at the end of the day, like Jade got a banana peel win over Taya, so their intention yeah. was to keep her booked well. Sure, yeah. But they screwed up the part before the roll-up. Yeah, it's so bad. Um, and like this is this may be the you know we've been talking about the the four pillar stuff not really working, and we buried a couple of the QTV stuff I think, but this could genuinely be the worst piece of booking in AEW to date this year because I think it really hurt Taya Valkyrie, and like Taya Valkyrie, you know, we'll see how her reactions go. I don't I don't think it's going to be like instant death necessarily, but like she is she's been well she's been performing over what i thought would be her level and she's been getting good reactions every time she comes out she's a strong baby face this is yeah. the absolute opposite of what you want to do when you have someone in that situation i am yelling about booking of taya valkyrie in the year 2023 ain't it a nice break from the nfl draft i mean i'm sick of talking about hendon hooker uh, no, that is a real name, not an NXT name. Hendon oh, he was Hooker great at Tennessee. Is a real quarterback. Um, no, um, uh, Andy, um, former contributor for Voice of Wrestling. He, I, I tweeted about Hendon Hooker. He's like, he, he's like, that's a real name. I'm like, <laughs> yes, it is not an NXT level up name. It is real. Um, I should not be yelling about a tie of Valkyrie finish in the year 2023, but here we are. This is like, this show felt like more like a normal dynamite. And we didn't even mention the ropes are black again. Yeah. They, they got rid of the Amer the red, white, and blue ropes, which I think is good. Like you, you do colored ropes for like a special show. Like if you do like great American bash, you do colored ropes, Halloween havoc, have the middle rope be orange. Like, you do that kind of stuff. But yeah. you don't need to do it every week. Just 
I'll be honest, I never even considered the collar of the ropes. I only noticed the change tonight because of all the discourse with the capital D surrounding the ropes. I, I know it really bothered a lot of people. I never I never even thought about it. Like, I'll be honest, during the stretch when it was red, white, and blue, I was just like, yeah, there they are. Those are the ropes. I, it just never bothered me. I mean, that's completely me. I, I'm just, I don't know. Yeah, it's it is what it is. Um, so we got a little okay. uh, Brit and Jamie promo backstage where they just calling out the outcasts and say that the only way they'll be done is if they're in the morgue. A uh, little decent little promo. A uh, hater got to speak some, and uh, I think did a pretty decent job. And then we got a promo for uh, the upcoming uh, Jay White, Juice Robinson, Ricky Starks, and Sean Spears tag team match um okay i want to i want to mention this because yes, yeah. if you haven't gotten a chance to see it Britt baker shiner's phenomenal like you couldn't make yeah. up a better shiner it's like just gorgeous um in a yeah, professional lesson sense like that's and awesome ha- and hater's arm is in a sling for a work injury but yeah that's a hell of a, a black eye that baker got um mm-hmm. what do you boy, think of this promo um which one the the Jay White Juice Robinson. I thought it was a really good one minute promo. Again, I still don't know why like Jay White has not just been given a ten minute talking segment. I know that these shows have been heavy angles recently, but my God, the guy is magic on the mic. And then Juice Robinson is just like a complete insane person and just screams, "We're going to kick you two sweet boys right in the balls!" <laughs> it is. I love Juice Robinson so much. Uh, Action Andretti, again, has been replaced by Sean Spears. I don't know if that's uh, injury-related. I haven't heard of an Andretti injury yet. Um, but, my well, God. Sean Spears is taking the fall here. We know. Yeah, him. sure, yeah. Um, but, like, I, I like, like, okay, again, I think I basically said this last week. Spears is talented, but, like, at a total mid-card level talented. And so far, he's been presented below that for the most part in AEW. Ever him He's the mid card guy you push to get beaten. Yeah, but it's just really weird that like it feels like he's past action Andretti on the the depth chart, um, and maybe this is protecting Andretti so he doesn't take another L in a high profile match. But you know, I I thought the Starks Andretti combination was pretty strong and um, on TV, and it just got replaced like real fast. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I don't I don't really have a good answer to that. That's a really good point. But let's get to the main event. Kenny Omega and Kanosuke Takeshita versus the Butcher and the Blade. Brian Danielson's on commentary. Um okay, so Takeshita wins the match with like his version of like the running V trigger. Um mm-hmm. it's like a it's like a V trigger Kamagoye like it's like the, those two moves had a baby. Yeah, the power drive D. That's what it's called. Yeah, it it's it's a very very good move and it's relatively safe. All 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 the good things. But then after the match, you have Brian basically calling Omega a fraud and saying Takeshita is like the future of wrestling and trying to get him to join the BCC. He says no, and yeah, uh, they're the elite. They tease them getting mocks with a screwdriver, but then after Takeshita says no. They gouge him with a screwdriver. Yeah, he gets uh, the, BCC gets him. Oh, the pictures of him afterwards just look phenomenal. The dried blood on yeah. his face and chest. Oh, just great stuff. But what a worker. You know, 
I really wonder, because I think we mentioned this last week, if Takeshita, the long-term play was him joining the Blackpool Combat Club. I wonder if that's still the case. I think that this would set him against them pretty strongly, but uh, I don't know. I guess we'll but see. I also say this. In order for Wheeler Yuta to get in the Blackpool Combat Club, he got his ass beaten by uh, Danielson and Moxley. Yeah. So I... I, I you kind of different see, vibes there, though. Yeah, but you, you could see, okay, you withstood this, and then you went toe-to-toe with us? Yeah. Okay, join us. Like, we still want you. Like, th- this is a different kind of heel group, where mm-hmm. if you, like, prove to, your, prove to them that you can just be an ass-kicker, they'll take you. Like, there's already a, a link and a connection there, so I, I find that interesting. I don't, I, I don't know for sure, mm-hmm. but something to be be aware of and keep in mind um i thought this was a, a basically uh remember when adam page was like questioning himself and everything uh i think Takeshita was basically placed into one of those old uh mad lib you know like mad lib style into one of those ankles here um yeah and i don't mean that in a bad way i think they're just doing a little bit of the same kind of uh building tension between him and the elite and uh you know they kind of tease that on bte this week where Omega acted disappointed um, that it wasn't Kota Ibushi. Um, so maybe they're building some stuff with uh, there too. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I thought this was a solid match. It was not a great match. Um, it was just really a, a showcase for Omega and Takeshita to look cool and get a win. Uh, the Butcher owns. The Blade is like... He's perfectly competent as a Chag. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry. So, I, have... I, I have a minor complaint that honestly is just petty. Okay. I wish I wish the butcher's um shoulder tape that he had on was black and not red. Oh, because I I, th- I I thought the red just stuck out a little too much for what the butcher's aesthetic was. Oh, it's it's completely um menial and doesn't matter at all. It, it was it's just a me thing. Like I, I'm not okay. complaining. I'll, I'll I just, let you take that to the fortress. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought it would have been better, like for his aesthetic, if it was black. But all right. I mean, their aesthetic is all black, so to me, it just stood out a little too much. But I'm okay with that. Okay. Overall, uh, decent show. Better than last week. This yeah, I was... actually felt like a dynamite. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I actually have this at a lower rating than last week. Maybe that's just residual grumpiness. I went six and a half. Last week I had a seven. Um, I think I initially had this as a seven, but I just got, um, I don't know, like some of the stuff not working is a, is a cumulative thing. I think actually the, the tie of Valkyrie booking may have pushed me to drop it that extra half point. But, I mean, I still like the BCC Elite stuff. Um, I still like, I like the Adam Cole, Jericho, Roderick Strong stuff. Um, Orange Cassidy and Bandito was a fun match with some fun stuff afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. but like, we're, we're, it's still been another week. Uh, I haven't sat down and counted it, but it's been a little bit since we've had like a truly great, uh, dynamite match. And, uh, I think that's really hurting my view of these shows is that, you know, we've had all these angles, but like not every angle is hitting, you know, of the major angles. And then, uh, match wise, it's just, you know, like three and a half, three and three quarter stuff for me always, which is like good to see, 
great to have on free TV, but I'm used to better. So we got spoiled for a long, oh, yeah. long time. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do this draft. Um, explain what we're doing here. Sure. So we're going to do a short little uh, AEW uh, futures draft. Uh, I've taken. Uh, the roster for AEW off of Wikipedia, and I've uh, updated every wrestler's age to what their age will be in 2028. Uh, and so the idea here is that we're going to draft uh, snake fashion. So uh, one person will go first, and then the other will go second or third, and then back to the other guy for two picks in a row. Through uh, you want to do 15 names? Is that sufficient to you? Is that you know you're the one with the the schedule today with uh, the draftings. Well, let's just do let's do ten. Because... Ten, all right, ten names. Yeah. All right, cool. And I've got you know both the men and the women's divisions uh, up here, and um, you know everyone's age in twenty twenty eight. And so the idea is that we're picking people based off of who we think will be in the best position in twenty twenty eight. Not necessarily in AEW; it could be somewhere else. Um, but who we think will be the uh, in the best position in the industry there then. Okay. Tyler, since you are uh, the draft guru, the Mel Kuyper of voices, uh, I will allow you to pick first. Hangman Adam Page. Hangman Adam that's Page. 101. That's, wow. that's number one. Okay. I was not expecting that, to be honest, because I thought that the uh, slam dunk pick for number one would be MJF, and he's going to be my number two. Uh, he's only going to be 32. Um, yeah, you know, but he just... could be in WWE, and they could completely misuse him. So uh, to me, that's too much of a variable for me to want to go one with him and why I think Hangman Page, who, like, they want to build the company around Hangman Page. That's the vibe I get. Yeah. MJF, I think, is overall better, but because of that variable with WWE and just where they're at and how they like to screw things up, I wasn't comfortable going with MJF at one. Okay. I See, I figured that if he jumped to uh, WWE, he'd still be like a top main eventer. Now, granted, will he be... Uh... Yeah, but he won't be Roman. He'll be Cody, and they'll screw him. That That's, that's my worry. And we're yeah. talking about better positions... Like being being the job guy for Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, it doesn't scream better position than being like the most protected wrestler in AEW. Okay, that's fair. That is totally fair. Uh, and my second pick is going to be uh, Jay White. I was hoping Jay White would fall to me at four. Um, that that was going to be my next guy, but. Life goes on. Oh, Keith Lee will only be 43. That's not too bad. Um, all right. So we are only going wrestlers currently signed on the roster. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take two swings here. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Commander. Okay. Because I really think that they're uh he um what the Joshi were supposed to be and the Chinese acrobats. I think they're going to, they're pivoting to Lucha. And for my third pick, Nick Wayne. All right. 
Um, look, the, the dude is 17 years old and he's already he's already going bonkers and having like four and a half star matches with Will Ospreay. Give this guy five years, he could be like one of the best wrestlers in on the entire planet. That is an interesting pick. I would have. I was looking at him in a couple rounds, basically. I, you know, I think there's a lot of question marks. I think specifically around his charisma, that I will, you know, have some reservations about. He's but also 17. He's also 17. Yes, that's a very and considering what he's doing at 17, and you could argue he's getting some opportunities on account of like his dad being Buddy Buddy Wayne, such a respected trainer and everything. Um, and I think those are fair points, but like still, he's he's been delivering, and yeah, it's not even the will. If you want thing, if he wasn't delivering, right? He's delivering, like yeah. The, the East-West Express matches over WrestleMania weekend were some of my favorites. Well, I am going to pick. Um, just looking over at the women's division, I don't. I have a couple guys that I think are more valuable over what's over there. So let me. So that was your. That was pick number five, Nick Wayne. So my number six is going to be Daniel Garcia. I think this guy can be a total dude. Um, just like a huge top of the card guy. And uh, I think he's, um, I think he has all the tools. And I think it's just a matter of him breaking out and getting to show it off. I love him. He's great. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, my number six is going to be someone that I very strongly associate with him is Wheeler Yuta. I think I they're very. This is a, my strong scouting department coming through. Um, I think these two guys are both fantastic. I, you know, I understand why they haven't been given the big push yet. You know, there's just a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's a the a depth thing above them, and uh, guys that are above them, I think, generally deserve to be there. Like, I get why they're not being pushed over Chris Jericho right now, or uh, Adam Cole, or insert other big names here, but. I think they're both like just super talented. And uh, I think it's just a matter of time for both of them to be main eventers. Yeah. All right. My, my next pick, we're going to go with Kanosuke Takeshita. Uh. And I had another name, but I, I lost it on the sheet because I'm not like writing this down like I probably should be. Yeah, I did not do a proper like big board heading into this. So this is all just off. Neither did off I. Um, Stroke Daddy, Ricky Starks. I know they don't call him Stroke Daddy, but that is so much better than Absolute. I'm sorry. They do once in a great while when they can get away with it. Pay per view. They'll sneak, they snuck it in on TV not too long ago, <laughs> which uh, was very good to me. Um, my number 10 pick, since you took, took uh, Takeshita away from me, I'm going to go with uh, Swerve Strickland here at number 10. Um, I forgot he was on the roster for a minute. God, yeah, they've honest. really... The start of this year, his booking, I, I, I do cite his booking more than anything to do with like his performance, has been maddening. Um, it's just really frustrating um what to see like where he is and what his talent is um 
I think the whole Trench and Parker Boudreau thing uh, failed with both of them, and then apparently they're both out hurt. Um, so I don't know. I would have had him in like the the close to the world title picture right now, and it feels like he's moved away from that, and that's a real that's a real downer, man. Um, let's see, just doing some quick checks here. Um, this is great audio of me just like mumbling to myself as I scroll through a list of names. Some would say that's our entire show, Fred. Us just mumbling. <laughs> that's uh, that's my greatest skill. The mumble stat maxed. Uh, my number 11 pick is going to be, and I just saw him, and then I my shitty brain just like was like, uh, don't keep information. Why would you want to do that? It's Sammy Guevara. Um, Damn it. Ah, he was going to be my next pick. Um, but Sammy is, he he's a lot like Daniel Garcia and Yuda to me. I think it's just like, but he's even closer because he's been established for longer and everything. But I think he's, it's just a matter of time for him to be put in that top main event guy spot instead of a lackey. And I think he's got the talent for 100%. Yeah. Um, all right. We're going to go a little outside the box because I am approaching this um, like like building a dynasty team in fantasy football. I'm going to go Billy Starks. Nice. She's 18 years old, and she's <laughs> shown a lot of improvement on the indies. Five years? Like, it wouldn't shock me if she's a multi-time world champion. I was I was starting to think about her as a pick actually. So and I'm gonna take the other really good um woman on this list, Jamie Hayter. Okay. I can't believe she's only 28. It's amazing. She's great. Oh, she's so good. We don't talk enough about how like how good she is at such a relatively young age. Like yeah. If she wrestled, she's got she's got the presence and the skills and everything of like a a mid career thirty four year old star, and she's six years younger than that, and uh, yeah, that's awesome. Truly tremendous. Well, I'm going to go uh, ahead with the women's division here as well. Um, I'm going to pick Tony Storm at uh, fourteen. She will be thirty two. So similarly to Jamie Hader, just still on the right side of thirty, which is amazing to think. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, looking at the women's division, there's a couple of names that I would love to pick, but I think that I like them more than they'll be pushed. Like I love Riho so much. I think she's got a lot of that Rey Mysterio dog in her, like just the perfect underdog. But I, her use is so inconsistent in AEW, and like you know that she, she were to go to WWE, that it would be nothing. Uh, she would just be used awfully. Mm-hmm. Um, so her best bets are possibly in Japan, which is. A real damn shame. Um, and she's over with this crowd, too. There's yeah. got to be something holding that back. Yeah. I, I don't know what it is, if it's her schedule uh, and unwillingness to move to the States or what. Um, I think I know who I'm going to take with my other spot, but I'm going to just scroll through real quick as I ruin uh, our reputation as podcasters by just, uh, again, continuing to to mumble cole carter is really young and uh, if i saw anything in him <laughs> i'd be <laughs> I, I mean he's from west virginia man like that should be an easy pick for me and yet here i am just like oh no that ain't gonna be it um all right i am going to go with i think an established guy with the 15th pick here 
I'm going to go with Adam Cole, Bebe, okay. uh, because he's still relatively young. Uh, I think there are some injury concerns here, um, you know, with a big concussion and just hoping that it, that doesn't progress into a bigger issue with him. But he'll be 38 in 2028. And frankly, if you look at the ages of the top guys right now in AEW, outside of MJF, like the very top guys are all in that age range. So, like, that'll be just about the peak of his career. And uh, I think he uh, slots in very nicely there. Yeah. All right. I I only have three picks left, so I got to be smart about this. We are going to go. And just to be clear, we're not building, like, a card off this. We're not stealing the the draft gimmick from... uh, from Griffin and uh, Sean. We're just picking who, yeah. just predicting. I mean, in all fairness, I will steal it. I, I have no <laughs> about that. Um, we're going to go with my next pick, Bandito. All right. Like, I can't believe Bandito's only going to be 33 in five years. Like, yeah. that's... I, another like, way too young guy. Yep. Um... So now things are really starting to get tricky. You have a lot of the young guys gone, a lot the top guys. Like, at what point do you take um, some like the really established players here in AEW? Um, like Darby Allen's interesting, but my gosh, like I'm so like I I don't mean this with any disrespect. It's it's because of his style and what he's willing to do. I I'm surprised he's not paralyzed or dead. Like he he literally throws his body oh yeah like just so much like damage a sh- like a track and field athlete throws a shot put like he's he's just a different kind of human and it's tremendous to watch but i i genuinely worry about him long-term health wise um i'm gonna i'm going to continue the phenomenal audio by looking. <laughs> oh here we through. go here we go hook all right that's a guy I was looking at there. The number 17 is Hook. Uh, that leaves me with my last two picks. Um, I'm going to take Britt Baker at number 18. I don't know how if she's really going to progress to like that super high level in the ring, but she's got the personality where um, I think that she'll be able to overcome that. Um, I think she's just, you know, she's really good at being a star. And that's really hard to vow- or to find, honestly, sometimes. Um, my 19th and final pick uh, is definitely not going to be Brian Pillman Jr. Um, it's very just catching strays for no reason. Um, I think I know who it's going to be, but I want to want to scroll just a little more just to make sure I'm not forgetting a big name. Um, ooh, that's. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take uh, Jack Perry. I was thinking about someone else at, at that spot, but frankly, Jack, I still I believe in him. And uh, yeah, let's go. So, number 20, the final pick by Mr. Tyler. I'll be honest, I'm really surprised that um, Jack Perry ended up lasting until 19. Yeah. Um, I just have a lot of questions about his charisma. Uh, maybe it, I, I do wonder if a heel turn will really revitalize that or wake something up inside him. Um, I mean, he's young, so mm-hmm. he's 25 years old. He's been on national TV for four years. Yeah. Like, there, there's time with him. And... Sure. Okay. 
my final pick is going to be a little off the wall because I've I've done a lot of the young talent. But my final pick is going to be none other than John Moxley. His I thought about him. St- his okay, so he's going to be forty-two, but his style—he's mm-hmm. a brawler. He's not a high flyer. He's more physical in nature. Even though it's a rougher style in ring per se, I don't think it's as rough on your body as being a flippy do guy because right. you're just you're just taking lariats and suplexes. You're not jumping around doing moonsaults and landing on your knees ten times a uh, match. Like I think that Moxley's style, he'll still be able to do it in five years, and he's got all the charisma in the world. Like, I think Moxley is going to be just fine at 42, whereas we had questions in why Kenny Omega wasn't drafted. You have questions about him and his health at 44. We have questions about yeah. his health now at 39. Mm-hmm. Like, like to me, I that's why I'm going um, with Moxley. I actually really agree with that reasoning, and I have the same concern with some other guys that didn't come up. Uh, we'll do a quick re- uh, quick uh, recap of the draft. So Tyler took Adam Page first overall. I grabbed MJF at two, and then Jay White at three. Uh, Tyler got hold commanded. on, Fred. Hold on. Yes. Why don't we, Why don't we just do each team each grouping? Because sure. I, yeah. I think that might be better. Sure. Um, All right. So you want to go through who you got? Yeah, I'll do that. Um, sure. That that way it'll be just be easier for the listener to like, hey, we're not doing what Tyler, Fred, Fred, Tyler, Tyler. Yeah, right. It'll that's fair. That's fair. Good, good, good call. All right. In order of selection, I took Hangman Page, Commander, Nick Wayne, Kanosuke Takeshita, Ricky Starks, Billy Starks, Jamie Hader, Bandito, Hook. And John Moxley. And I took uh, MJF, Jay White, Daniel Garcia, Wheeler Yuta, Swerve Strickland, Sammy Guevara, Tony Storm, Adam Cole, Britt Baker, and Jungle Jack Perry. You want to talk about some of the guys that didn't get drafted? Yeah, um, I, I thought there were some interesting ones. Uh one, I found it interesting that Blake Christian is on the roster. Is he even signed, or is he just? I think he's a. I think he's mainly Ring of Honor. Um, okay, is my understanding. Okay. But um, Jade Cargill didn't get drafted. Um, I found that one really interesting. Um, I just same... think she's really plateaued. Um, if we went to twenty names, I probably would have picked her up eventually. Um, she does another one. I, I think she could still be going strong at thirty nine, but I also. You know, she disappears a lot, and if that's going to be a continuing thing with her, um, you know, I have concerns about that. Yeah. Um, One more in the women's division that I really, really thought about. Um, Ty Mello. There's something there. She's only 27. Yeah. Uh, The judo background with – Either she made the Olympics or she was an alternate. I cannot remember. I think an alternate, but, but I'm not sure. She she is a true fighter and an athlete, and I really think that they can capitalize on something with her. I think, and they've talked about this on All Access, how the relationship with her and Sammy has kind of halted her push a little bit. Yeah. But I also think that's not necessarily a bad thing right now because of what they have going on. And they – the secondary women's feuds 
they, they just don't have a strong enough roster yet to be able to, you know, especially with like six women in the top feud. They yeah. don't have a strong enough roster to have a really good secondary feud. And it's, they're trying, they're working on it. They're, they're developing these women to become like much better competitors, but Statlander's still out. Thunder Rosa's out. Those are looked- two that, that you could really have a, like, you could incorporate them. Like, Anna Jay is not there. She's 24. Yeah. She might get there someday. She's another one I yeah. thought about. I thought about Athena a little bit, but she'll be 39. And I think there are some injury concerns because she's had a couple major knee injuries. If Statlander was back, I would have considered her a lot more, but I just want to see how she's doing before that. Uh, Julia Hart, uh, if she was better in the ring, I would have snapped her up. She's also uh, 21. She's like... 21. Um, she hasn't been getting a lot of ring work, which is another concern I have, and I wasn't really she's, considering her she's as a wrestling manager. regularly on dark, I think. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I do have questions about just how much uh dark benefits you with its current format. Uh, you I know, know she's talked... coming to Minnesota for an indie, um, cool, soon. good. Uh, Willow Nightingale is one more name I wanted to bring up. I, <laughs> if we had gone just a little deeper, I would have picked her. Uh, I think she's really got a lot going for her and could be a major star. Oh, yeah. Um, Willow's got, like, we're not the first one to say we won't be the last. She's got the Bailey NXT. Um, like, yeah, she's got that charisma. Energy. Super babyface charisma, and I think she can really, it's could really natural. be something. Like, that's that's a special type of charisma. It's just yeah. genuine. It's natural. Um, couple on the men's side that I really thought about. I really th- thought hard about Phoenix. Um, I did, too. Only, He's only 32 right now. Um, he's so good. He's great, uh, but he just never seems to get pushed as hard as I think he should. So I really wonder how much the AAA um, relationship and how much they do there impacts how hard these guys are pushed in AEW. Um, not necessarily um, saying it's a negative, but if sure. you're – if you're going to uh, AAA a lot and you're wrestling there consistently and you're one of their highest push stars, um, like there's more of a, an injury risk because you're doing a lot of that. There's there's also not a necessary need, quote unquote, to push these guys at a super high level consistently. And plus, like they're in their 30s. Maybe they just don't want to be pushed super hard because they're working a more heavy schedule across multiple companies. Like yeah. there's so many layers to it. And we genuinely just don't know. Um, yeah. Based on talent alone, Phoenix should be wrestling for the world title. Yes. Like, definitely. Nobody's going to argue that. Yeah. But there's so many other factors um, that he was one I thought about. And then the other guy I really thought about was Dante Martin. I did too. I nearly got him with my last pick, but I decided to. I mean, I think Jack Perry is just demonstrably on a better arc right now. And he didn't uh, right snap with the head start. Yeah. I, I mean, I think Dante's going to be just fine from that injury. I think that's a pretty from from what I've heard reported is a pretty clean break without any kind of ligament damage and those will heal a lot better. Bones heal better than ligaments. Um which is yes. nice. Um especially so when you're an explosive athlete. Yes. Um, I thought about Andrade a little bit. I love his tools. There's just so many question marks with uh, the extraneous stuff. And he's kind of like Miro, only Miro will be a couple years older. 
Um, and if he goes back to WWE, he's not going to be pushed at all because they don't push Latino wrestlers. They say they do. They say they want to. But if you're not Bad Bunny or currently losing to Bad Bunny, um, <laughs> that's the most There's pushed some, Latino guy they've say, had. There are some shocking ages on here. Um, oh, yeah. Michael Nakazawa will be 52. Yeah. Um, like... I, we knew Lance Archer was older. I mean, he was he was in the the original formation of TNA when they just brought in the six sided ring as, yeah. as a point. Um, but like some of these are just wild. Jeff Jarrett will be sixty. Oh um, yeah, Sting will be sixty nine. I mean, obviously he's going to be retired. Nice. Well, wait, nice. Um, uh, got other guys that I thought just a little bit about. I thought about the private party guys because they're just so young. Isaiah Cassidy is just twenty five right now. Mark Quinn is just twenty nine. I still think that they have some upside, um, but I think they've just have not fulfilled it at all uh, yet. Um, yeah. um, Wardlow. We didn't take Wardlow. Or Hobbs. They're both about the same age. Uh, Wardlow's going to be 40. Hobbs is going to be 38. Um, I think they both are, or 37, sorry. Um, they're both a little short of something uh, that would have pushed them higher on my board. But I... Yeah, I think that they both could easily be above some of the guys we picked. Roosh is a guy who I think has been way better in AEW than I thought he would have been. Um, he's really benefited from the Andrade injury slash suspension. Um, and I think he's been performing really well. Um, will he ever get a bigger push here? I don't know. But I think he's he could do well in that situation if he was given the chance. Um, yeah. The thing with Roosh is he'll never be as big of a star here as he is in Mexico. Yeah, and that's uh, Lee Moriarty. Like, I'll go ahead with Roosh. Yeah, that was like the, Roosh is, especially in the lucha style, which is uh, uh, has a really heavy brawl aspect. Roosh just fits in so well. In oh, he could AEW, be wrestling. Until he's sixty-eight. You know. Yeah. Um, in AEW, he does fit in well, but I just don't think it's on the same level as. It, it is in Mexico, and that's – I just – he got over so hard in Mexico, and then when mm-hmm. he came here, he was fine. Yeah. But sometimes you're just – it's never going to fully translate, like going for, to a new country. And I also think he hasn't gotten like – I don't think he's gotten the big push that will uh, really allow him to be a star here in the States, so – that is also fair. Uh, Darby's I mean, another. We talked about Darby. Like uh, he is. Yeah. He's he is jackass. Yeah. This is this is if Johnny Knoxville decided to be a full time professional wrestler. Um, there's a couple other guys. Uh, Dalton Castle. I just don't trust his health, but he should be such a bigger star than he is. Uh, Action Andretti is so young. I think there's some missing qualities there, but he's 25. I mean, he would have been like a really late round flyer, I think. Uh, easy pick. Lee I Mor- thought about him at 20. I really did. I, I would have been thinking of You don't of get him. a win over Jericho for no reason. Right. Uh, Lee Moriarty, I think, is going to be a, a guy for sure. Um, I think he's talented. I think he's got more charisma than he's been able to show. Uh, and I think he's great in the ring. Um, and there's some established guys that are, you know, I thought about as well. Like, you know, we talked about Omega a little bit. And I think there's also the same questions about the Young Bucks and their health. And also, I mean, Matt will be 43, so there's a chance that he's retired. 
And and then it becomes a question of is Nick still doing stuff on his own if Matt retires? And honestly, I think the answer is no. I think Nick might hang it up early. Um, the guys from the acclaimed, um, both of them, uh, Bowens and Caster, I think could be superstars um, pretty easily. And they are um, older than you think, though. They are, but they are still like on like Caster is thirty three and uh, Bowens is uh. 32. So, I mean, like, they're on the wrong side of 30, such as it is, but they're still pretty young. So they could... That's still, like, prime career ages right there. Um, Dan Housen, I actually... If we went 15 or 20 rounds, I would have picked him uh, eventually, I think. I think he's never going to be, like, a superstar, but he is 100% going to be this guy uh, for the rest of his career. And that's, that's valuable. Um... And yeah, I think that's kind of the the major names I considered. Um, you know, uh, some guys like Samojo at forty nine. I just don't trust him to still be active. Um, so yeah. But yeah, yeah, there's the draft. Fun stuff. Let us know who you think won the draft. Um, drop into the Voices of Wrestling Discord and enter our channel. Good, the bad, and the hungry. And we will have a conversation and I, we want to hear what you think. Um, but otherwise that's our show. It is yeah, draft day it. and we tried to keep this abbreviated for me and we ended up going our normal about hour and a half, which honestly, huh, I appreciate it because it gave me a little bit of a break from the NFL draft. Well, that's stuff, good. Which that's good. I needed it. Try to keep you on the right side of conscious. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Um, you can <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at goodbadhungi. Um, you can uh, email us at hungipod at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at the real forno, and you can follow all of my NFL draft and Vikings work at the Vikings Wire or vikingswire.usatoday.com. You can follow Fred on Twitter at flagrant wrestling with an R, not a W, because he likes Ted Turner more than Vince McMahon. And you can also um, subscribe to Fred's Patreon, where he puts some really unique um, perspectives on the world of professional wrestling, a lot of which are database. And you can find that link in the show notes. You can also, if you like what you hear from me, I also host multiple Vikings podcasts, including on my own YouTube channel, Vikings First and Skull. And you can go ahead and subscribe to that. Just search Vikings First and Skull on YouTube. And that is it. We will be back next week to continue to talk about the build to double or nothing. And uh, eventually talk about the four-way being official. Until then, enjoy your week. Skull Vikings. Take it easy. Cheering at pro wrestling shows in Japan is back, and 2023 is already shaping up to be a big year in the history of pro res. That's why you should listen to the Emerald Flow Show. From the Royal Road to the Green Mat, Paul and Gerard take you into the world of all Japan pro wrestling and pro wrestling NOAA. Not only do we analyze events, but we examine business, who is getting over, what angles are working, or not. Occasionally, we take a look at other Japanese promotions like DDT and Zero One. So if you're looking for more coverage of the world of Japanese wrestling, check out the Emerald Flow Show on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network, available on all of your favorite podcast apps.